Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number two of Revelation chapter 11. And we're going to be reading the first three verses. And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise, and measure the temple of God and the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not. For it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. And I'll stop reading there. Uh, In our last study, we were looking at uh, verses 1 and 2, and we saw how God is laying out uh, his program for the wheat and the tares, for the true believers who are likened to the temple of God, and and, uh, they are to be measured and those which are without the temple are left out, and they are not to be measured. And and uh, that is pointing to God's plan, his program of saving his elect. And the world has been um, continuing. Time has gone on for that purpose of God to send forth his word in order that all whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life might hear and be saved by the word of God through God's action of granting them grace and repentance and a new heart and a new spirit. And then they they are added to the holy city. They are added to that kingdom of heaven as living stones. But those that are not God's elect, even though they were of Israel of old, or members of the New Testament church, they are without the eternal temple, the eternal church. They are not a part of it. And they are a part of the temporal church, the earthly church, the corporate body, And God, in verse 2, says that is not to be measured. We're we're not concerned with um, the number of professed Christians. uh, That that number is about 2 billion in the world. That number has nothing to do with anything. It's uh, interesting to know. And and yet, uh, God is not marking time or he's not marking the point of ending his salvation program based on how many people join up, how many people become members in congregations, how many people are baptized. None of that matters at all. It only matters that those names that were written down, recorded in the infinite mind of God, they must be saved and God accomplished that and finished that program of evangelization and salvation. All 
who were to be saved did become saved. And it is that fact that allowed God to shut the door of heaven on May 21 in 2011. It, it, it was open only for God's elect. And God kept it open until the last one of his people entered in, just like Noah had the ark uh, open, the door of the ark was open for all those that would enter in, and it happened to be his family, only eight souls, and then God shut him in. God shut the door of the ark, and no one else was to come in. And once the door of the ark shut, then God began to rain down the water and and the water actually came up from beneath and and there was there was just a deluge that overcame the unsaved people of the earth and why because only those eight souls were determined by God to be saved none of the rest were there um nice people out there sure as far as earthly standards go were there women? Were there children? Yes. Were there infants? Yes. Were there some women who had children in the womb? Undoubtedly, since everyone else in the world um, died in the flood. Life at all stages. Maybe some women just had a child who was conceived, and other women were a few months along, and other women just gave birth and other women had little toddlers, and yet they all died in the flood. Is Does that make God uh, unjust? No, no. All men are guilty before God. We all have sinned, and, and uh, we all, therefore, are deserving of the wrath of God from the very point of our conception. I remember what David says in Psalm 51. It says in, in verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And the Bible also speaks of babies that are born speaking lies. Why is it that a child who is born in um in these days after the tribulation in this time period after god has shut the door of heaven how can god hold that baby accountable and and responsible for anything he he wasn't uh, alive at the time god was sending forth his word warning the world well god isn't going to destroy that child or or hasn't brought judgment upon that child because of the fact that they weren't there for hearing the warning. God has brought judgment because the baby was conceived in sin and is born speaking lies. It is the child's own sin that has brought the wrath of God upon it immediately as soon as it it enters into the world. Actually, as soon as it is conceived in his mother's womb, a clean cannot come forth from an unclean, and both parents are unclean. And so there is no unrighteousness with God. There is no um, injustice with him. If God determines that he will bring a judgment and then allow time to continue 
as he has done. He he determined May 21, 2011 would be Judgment Day. Time would continue, and the world would continue to operate, which means uh, babies would continue to be born. Well, all the elect were saved, and now the judgment of God is upon the rest. Whether Let's think of it this way. If Christ came, as so many insist he must, he must come unexpectedly. He must come in one day and end everything in a single day. Now, there's just a, a great deal of scripture that won't allow for that conclusion, but let's Let's let them have it, uh, just for argument's sake. Christ comes today. Christ brings judgment. He destroys the world today. So the, that means that as Christ comes today and destroys the world today, that how many children in the world are were conceived yesterday? Well, a good number. How many children are in the second day of conception? A good number in the third day or the third week or the sixth week. How many children all over the earth are still in their mother's womb when Christ comes and destroys the world and those children never heard the gospel because their mother is a Muslim or their mother is a Buddhist or their mother is an atheist or their mother is whoever. Christ comes today. What about those children? Is that unjust? Isn't that unfair? Well, that's the the same accusation, the same charge that's being made. You see, you can't get away from it. it with, the problem is that man does not want to accept the fact and the truth that the Bible does present that God is sovereign not only concerning whom he saves, he will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy. And there's all sorts of people that don't like that and, and dispute with God about that issue. But God is sovereign concerning when he applies that salvation. And now we have all kinds of people that are really raising up the same issue as those that don't like that God exercises his his sovereign will concerning whom he saves. They don't like that God exercises his sovereign will concerning when he applies that salvation. Well, I'm sorry if you don't like it. I, I really am. And, of course, it, it, it is sorrowful and tragic. And and there are things that, that I would like to change and, and in order for individuals I know to have more opportunity into uh, for for that door still to be open but it's not up to me and it's not up to you it's not up to any man god is the one who determines these things he is god and and we we just have to trust him we trust that god works out his will perfectly regarding those whom he saves and we trust that God works out his will perfectly regarding when he saves, when the day of salvation begins, when the day of salvation concludes. And we trust that God's will is also perfect in the day of judgment, when he ceases to save. And that's what's happened. Just again, 
uh, uh, think of Christ coming and how many children, how many in their mother's womb, or how many infants have been born, uh, how many one-year-olds and two-year-olds, they they haven't heard the gospel, and yet Christ comes today. And that's how it will always be, whether he comes today or if he came 10 years from now, or if no matter what date someone picks, a 100 years, any point in time, it will always be there are children in the womb, there are little babies, and and there are uh, people that did not instruct their children, that do not have the word of God on their lips. Therefore, their children have never heard these things uh, during their entire lifetime however few days that was and and it is the exact same situation that people are bringing up regarding well it's not fair it's not fair that that god ended salvation and and what about these children well uh, uh, again uh, we leave this to god And we can just be thankful that God has granted a mother and granted a father the ability and and the allowance that a mother or father can come to him and pour out their heart. I know if I had a child born now or a grandchild, which is possible uh, up up until uh, the, the time of the end, that I would pour out my heart for the baby. I would pray for that baby more probably than anyone else, praying that, that, oh God, oh God, this poor child is born at this time. Oh, is it possible that thy cup might pass from off of this boy or this girl? And, and pray and pray, oh Father, uh, you you are a merciful God, and, and I know, though, that was during the time of mercy. Oh, Father, I, I would just keep praying and praying, and then conclude, not my will, but thine be done. And, and, and you see, what, what was the allowance that God gave me as a mother or a father? To cast my care my deep desire that that child uh, be spared upon him and then to trust that God's perfect will would be done and I would find peace. I would have peace in my heart concerning the fate of that child. And that's all any parent has ever been able to do. We've never been guaranteed that our children are God's elect. We've never had any guarantee that our children must be saved. Only we could pray for them. Only we could beseech the Lord for them and and then leave it in the care of his perfect will. That's always been the case. Well, let's go back to Revelation 11 and verse 2 again says, But the court which is without the temple leave out, and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the word Gentile is the same word as nation. It's the same Greek word. That is, the Greek word uh, is translated as Gentile or nation. And that is the case in the Old Testament as well. Uh, the Gentile is not 
found as commonly in the Old Testament, but it is in several cases, and it is the same Hebrew word that is also translated nation in many instances. So here God is saying the the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not. That is the corporate church outside of the eternal temple which, which is comprised of the whole company of God's elect, the body of believers. For it is given unto the Gentiles or the nations and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. Now the language here reminds us of what is said in Luke 21. In Luke chapter 21, which is a, a parallel chapter to Matthew 24, dealing with the disciples' question, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? It says in Luke 21, in verse 22, For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now there it says Jerusalem. In Revelation 11, it says the holy city. And, of course, that that's one in the same. They're synonymous. Uh, Jerusalem can refer to Jerusalem above, again, which would be the elect, all those God has saved, or Jerusalem below, the earthly Jerusalem, the corporate church. And here, uh, it's referring to the church. And, of course, Jerusalem can also have the historical uh, reference to the actual city, Jerusalem, but that's not what's in view. In Luke 21, uh, Christ is answering the disciples' question concerning the end of the world, and and God will um, forsake Jerusalem and Judah in the first century A.D. When the veil of the curtain is rent in twain, God no longer has any further dealings with Jerusalem. It's no longer the holy city, and that's the key to understanding verses like Revelation 11:2, where where the Lord says, "The holy city shall they tread underfoot." Now, the natural-minded um, they they quickly think, "Oh, that's Jerusalem, the holy city," and so they uh, their their eyes immediately uh, go to the Middle East and and go to the physical land of Israel. And that's why so many churches think that Israel uh, plays such a major role uh, in the end times. And it's all based upon a complete misunderstanding of how God has written the Bible, that he uses types and figures. And Jerusalem and Judah, or holy city, are references to typify the New Testament churches and congregations. And and so when uh, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the nations, the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And the times of the Gentiles, we're told, are 42 months. 
That's what Revelation 11 says. Again, in, at the end of verse 2, The holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. That, that would be three and a half years, as three and a half years is forty-two months. Uh, but the, the forty-two months here is a figure of the entire great tribulation period. The entire period of time in which the holy city is trodden underfoot. If we go to Revelation 13, it says uh, concerning the beast that came up out of the sea. And the beast is a name God has assigned to Satan that is specifically assigned to him for his rule during the 23-year actual Great Tribulation period from May 21, 1988 until May 21, 2011. And, and in Revelation 13, in verse 5, it says, And there was given unto him, that's the beast, Satan, a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him, to continue forty and two months, the the same duration, the same length of time that the holy city is trodden underfoot. Satan is the man of sin. He is the abomination of desolation. He was loosed by God at the beginning of the great tribulation, and he overcame the saints. He overcame the churches and congregations, because that was the will of God. It, it was God's purpose. The Lord was using him as an instrument of wrath to uh, bring judgment upon the, the congregations. Judgment began at the house of God, and God uses the figure of 42 months for the complete time period that that judgment would continue. Notice and this is important, that the beast, Satan, continues his rule. And, and it says in verse 6 and 7, And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. It was given to Satan to win, to be victorious, to continue for 42 months the the complete length of the judgment on the church, the complete length of the Great Tribulation. And it was not given to him to continue one day longer than that. It was not given to him to have rule over the church or to have rule over the the kindreds, tongues, and nations, the people of the world, the unsaved people of the world, longer than the 42-month period. And that's important because May 21, 2011 was the conclusion of the Great Tribulation, the, the last day of that 23 years, and we could say the conclusion of the 42 months. And, and see, that's why... Uh, along with many other scriptures, we say that the Bible teaches Satan is no longer ruling in the church, no longer ruling 
in the world, but Christ is. Christ has won the victory in the day of judgment, judgment day, and now the Lord Jesus is ruling with a rod of iron over everything that Satan or the beast previously ruled over. Well, uh, this is interesting how God has written these things and and how he is giving us this introduction into Revelation chapter 11, a chapter that has been greatly misunderstood in recent days. Since we've entered into these days after the tribulation, people are um, uh, misapplying the verses. They're they're getting their their understanding of the timeline out of whack or or out of order. They um, think that when the two witnesses are killed, that it somehow had to do with what happened to the believers on May 21, 2011, and yet that is completely wrong. It was not the believers that were the object of wrath that were killed at that point. No, everything in the Bible, everything in the Bible points to God giving up the church during the period of the Great Tribulation, but only for that period. And and then following that, then God turns around and brings judgment on Satan and his emissaries upon Babylon, upon the unsaved people of the earth, not upon true believers. True believers weren't killed on May 21, 2011 in any way. Uh, we weren't the objects of wrath. No, and, and of course Satan couldn't have killed us then. He overcame the saints at the beginning of the Great Tribulation and throughout the period in which it was given to him to continue. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.